Hey everyone, another episode of Agile After Dark around Agile leadership with our friend Josh Witten. Some great conversations, particularly around middle management and how they handle the transformation. Welcome to Agile After Dark, the podcast that addresses agile topics not talked about in the light of day. I'm your host, Greg Adams. We're sitting here in Scottsdale. And with me is my co-host, Brandon, who is in Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, you know, for various reasons, we weren't able to, to get in the same room tonight. But uh, excited to do this. We've been on a bit of a break uh, for various reasons. A lot of it I blame myself. I've been, like, teaching a class and all this kind of stuff. So, anyway... Uh, really excited to to do this episode for many reasons, but uh, if if none else, to get this train back on the track. And our amazing co-host, although some people might refer to it differently, is Jessica from Minnesota. Hi, that's, good to see you. I also blame blame Brandon for how long it's been since we last recorded. Mm, this is true. <laughs> no, wait a minute. Actually, partly my fault too. <laughs> Busy lives, busy, busy people, busy lives. But you know what? We have more. There's more, Brandon. Oh, hey, wait. Jessica. There's more. There's more because we have a very special guest from Sacktown, California, Josh Witten. Josh Hi. Witten. Hey, Hi. Josh. I'm excited. I feel like I'm an additional Ginsu knife or something. <laughs> Wait, Only if you more. order now. Wait, Only more. if you order now. <laughs> he, 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 by the way, he, he can cut through a can, a tin can. That's that's true. I've seen him do it. I don't get dull. I do not get dull. <laughs> oh, we're excited Thanks to have you, having Josh. We, this is a long time coming, buddy. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm very appreciative, and I, I can't wait. I can't wait. This is great. Right. And I can't wait to hear the bloopers later on. Yeah. <laughs> we never have any of those. Uh, we record like, this all like live. The ones that we talk about when you get naked. Are you talking about that one? I need more drink. So, what are we talking about today, Greg? Besides Josh's naked, we are talking about. I and I love this topic. Uh, I this is the, if if I don't know how many of these we've done, but I think this is the most amazing um, topic that we've tried to tackle, and it's called abandoning leadership theater. Intent, purpose, and the non-American way. I'm really interested in theater and the non-American way. And, of course, I'm going to let my esteemed colleagues kind of walk us through that. But I I think this is a really interesting topic. That is forward thinking. It's not just agile, you know, we're doing agile, we're going to do startup, we're going to do stand-ups, we're going to do whatever. It really is literally changing the mindset. Yeah, and you know we've we've talked we've talked around this area a little bit in past episodes. So uh, we had the transformation episode we did very early on with Shyla Reddy, uh, where she and I kind of went back and forth in terms of what what is the real role of leadership in making transformation actually happen. Uh, we talked with our friend Jeannie about management debt, uh, which is a really cool episode, uh, and we may touch on some of those things in this episode as well, but. Uh, Kind of the concept of, you know, managers get to where they are because they're working through a system that exists for them, right? And so they kind of carry that debt to be managers that they are. Uh, and we've kind of talked on uh, kind of more recently with Amy Palmer about kind of purpose. And she kind of reflected on herself as a leader 
and kind of defining purpose and what that means of being a leader. But with that being said, uh, I think we've learned a lot since then, and we want to kind of share some of our, you know, some of our thoughts around this, uh, particularly around the theory piece, as you said, uh, and intent and purpose, and kind of uh, seeing what we we can come up with. So. Uh, well, was I on half of those other podcasts that you mentioned? Because I don't remember any of those. Yeah, you don't have to edit them. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> and Greg, you can go listen to them on yeah. multiple streaming services. We can. How? By the way, how do we listen to the podcast? Yeah, the easiest Brandon? place to go uh, is you can either go on Spotify or on iTunes. Right, they're both there. Uh, you can go to agileafterdark.com. Uh, you can get them all there and stream them from there. But uh, but yeah, and we are on LinkedIn, uh, Agile After Dark. You know, we get a little snarky, a little have a little fun, uh, and you know, so definitely follow us so that uh, you can kind of get the latest and, updates and, and little and have tidbits. some drinks. Yeah, well, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. You know, which we'll get to later. We will, we will. So I kind of want to open it up. I mean, we are kind of having some conversations uh, as we were kind of getting ready for this podcast, uh, and I think one of the things that we started to to kind of approach was you know leadership as we know it now there's a lot of generalities around it there's a lot of kind of thoughts in terms of how we can change it and that concept of servant leadership and so forth but i kind of wanted to, to to open it up to the group in terms of you know maybe examine this from a different angle uh whether it be kind of around theater for instance uh and it's kind of what what that means when we're trying to, to bring that subject up. It's, it's there for a reason. So maybe we can start there and kind of riff off of that. That works for you guys. Yeah, Brandon, I oh, love what you're great. talking about with um, <clears throat> the idea of abandoning leadership theater. And Josh, I know you and I have been doing some work around work with leaders and around leadership. I'm curious what comes up for you when you think of leadership theater. Well, I think we, you know, we were talking earlier before we started and there really is this act that happens, right? And it happens at all levels of the organization, but I think it's especially prevalent with leaders in terms of doing what, doing, they continue to do what they think is important and typically in America gets them promoted to the level that they're at. Um, so they continue to do those things. They continue to manage people and create plans and, assign tasks and delegate. Um, so I know that, you know, we work on how do we get people's brains turned on and a lot of the leadership that we deal with, um, with our clients, they're, they're doing the opposite. They're turning brains well, off. And Josh, I'll just say this. I, I love the, the, that you referred back to management because leaders are managers and managers by definition want to manage stuff even if they have no idea or they're not connected to the work at all, you know, as opposed to the people actually doing the work. And I think that manage, I hate the term manage. And it, it, it obviously it directly relates to leadership, but I, I do think that manage mentality is really hurtful. Yeah. I think there's a huge difference between management and leadership. And I think the work that we've been doing is really trying to figure out how do we help individuals shift from being managers to being leaders. And I think, <clears throat> I think that the topic of sort of abandoning the leadership theater, if you think about it from that perspective, 
it's actually that actually helps at least in my brain think about that shift when we talk about managing it's it's scripted it's i'm going to tell you where to stand i'm going to tell you what the lighting is i'm going to tell you you know here's when the curtains go up or down i mean there's a whole bunch of different aspects right but it's all you do it on this mark at this time and i'm the one in charge and i think that leadership has a lot more to do with um, painting broad stroke pictures of where we're headed and letting, Josh, you mentioned brains turning on, letting the cast improvise and seeing what yep. shows up. Yeah, it's so much more creative that way, right? It's about sparking creativity. And I'm, I'm going to, I don't want to forget this, but there's this difference too between at least what we've encountered so far, which is like executive C-suite leadership, which tends to be very visionary and mission-y and focused on really broad strategic stuff. But then like this middle management layer, the folks that are in the weeds-ish um, with the teams, and there's this, there's this disconnect, right? And teams tend to not feel like they're being hurt, like they see the message coming from very high up, but then their actual day-to-day -day experience is, is not that. And to your point, the uh, the American way of, of looking at this is that group. I mean, I think that that's the one that, you know, you think about Ford Motor Company, even Toyota. Uh, you think about all the manufacturing companies and so forth. But yeah, they walk the floor and everyone gets really excited about this really revolutionary idea of leadership leadership actually seeing what's happening and actually what's being created and you kind of mentioned in the weeds josh and for me i'm like yeah big fucking deal like do you have any idea if they're you're just looking at utilization and moving people around and kind of just saying hey we got to do more things to get more things out the door whether it's software whether it's manufacturing whether it's spreadsheets it doesn't even freaking matter right it's just I was kind of like, I'm just not impressed. I'm not impressed with, you know, you went to grad school in around this, you know, subject area. And I just, I wasn't impressed then. And I wasn't impressed with what I see now. Uh, and to your point, it's just managing people. Great. I'm curious what the difference would be, Brandon, for you. If those same, those same folks that walked through the floor were less looking about how do we get more product out and how more around how are people doing? Yeah, I mean, and so, but this is the non-American way, right? Yeah, right. Because it, it, I mean, people are resources. People are, ah. people are things that you bring oh, yeah. in, you bring in, you move them around, and you burn them out. I mean, I, I worked at a company in, in Massachusetts, and they had a brilliant business plan, which was, we're going to bring young people. In. We're in Boston. We have all this young talent that's looking to have a lot of responsibility. So they made them managers of certain things right out of college, and they worked you to the bone. I mean, 80, 90-hour weeks, and then they were like, you're like, okay, I can't take this anymore. I'm going to use this to jump off to something else. Hey, great. We've got millions of college students graduating this year. Bring them in. You know, it was, it was, a, it was, a, it was an American version of a sweatshop. Well, and that, Brandon, that's exactly right. And one of the things that I work on with that is actually a really hard thing to break. And even when you say it over and over and over, and I literally, here's what I do when I've got 
management or leadership or C-suite talk about resources every single time I, I hold up a pencil and I say, okay, when you're talking about resources, are you talking about human beings, pencils or technology? And it takes (laughs) chairs, desks, but you know, but it takes them a while to kind of get to that. Like, what is it that I'm asking? Because when you, when you break a pencil, you can pick up another pencil and it can do the same thing. And human beings are not the same way. That's a good Mm -hmm. way. That's a good way to think about it. Yeah. That's a good one, Jess. I like that. But what's yeah. the balance? You know what's the other thing? Oh, sorry. The, the other thing that that you're bringing up, Jess and and Josh, is if you think about resources as allocating, you know, you're just keeping people busy first. That's because you're like, well, we just hired all these people. We got to keep them busy. So they're just doing a bunch of stuff. They're mm-hmm. not doing the right stuff. They're just doing stuff. But it's quality that suffers in this American way. Because it's like, how do you get things done as fast as possible? How do you think, do things more efficiently, not effective, but efficiently? And so you know, that's the American way. It's like, how do you build a, a production line? How do you build you know, the Ford factory? And that is not a way to build quality. Well, it's not quality, and it's also not – it's not going to end up with the, with the best product for the customer. If you're, all you're doing is keeping, keeping people busy – they're not actually using your resources as in like the dollars that you have to to invest in your organization. You're not using them in the most effective way. You're literally wasting resources. You're wasting people's time too. They're human beings. Yeah. <laughs> like they're humans. They, they want to come to work and do something good that benefits the society and it's like oh. or, they're or not just automatons or themselves i mean let's i mean i don't think it's an american way where you say like i have a family i need to put food on the table i need to have a shelter i mean those all of those you know many many studies have been told about like the natural reactions of that but we're in the middle of the great resignation right now right so well, i was you know i mean this here's, is here that's the disconnect though, what right? is that what is the that disconnect. i don't know what that is so everybody's leaving everybody's leaving their jobs right now. Everybody's resigning and trying to go find something new. And here's the disconnect with that. That there was a I think it was an uh, Harvard Business Review survey that just came out that that polled people who had left their organization and why they left and what their management and leadership why they thought they left. It is a huge disconnect. The people who left said, I don't feel connected. I don't feel heard. I don't feel like I'm a part of something bigger. And the management leadership said they left for more money. They left for a higher position. That, that, is, a, that is a massive disconnect. And that, it was a huge amount of data that they used. So there's, there's a, there, I love this too, because there's something we touched on earlier, Brandon, you were talking about this company you used to work for, right? Where it was like, grind them up and spin them out. And I think that this is something too, having worked for my current company for so many years where it's very easy, whether it's us or, or the leadership that we're working with who have been there for a long time, it's a, it, it's a badge of honor. This is what I did coming up in this company. I worked 80, 90 hours a week, and this is what everyone else should be doing, right? And that's it speaks to this disconnect, Jess, that you're talking about. Um, and so it's just like totally landing where we're, 
we have to go work with these folks who's like, well, hey, I put my I put my time in, and these guys need to do the same thing. Um, so it's switching that those brains around. It it is. And you know what? So hold on, something, Greg. Hold on, something. But like, I mean, we we good, yep, touched on yep. some of that when I talked about we talked about management debt. That was some of the theory behind that. But I think it's really interesting now because. Like I said, I think we've learned a lot since then. I think there's a lot of stereotyping around the generations, right? So, Jessica, if they do that survey, you look at the percentages. People are retiring early. So this is not millennials, right? People are basically saying, F this, I'm out. I can sell my house for this much money, and I'm not doing this anymore, right? So you got both ends of it. And guess who's in the middle? The managers. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they generally they're around a certain generation age range, right? And man, are they starting to feel it now? Because between what you read, Jess, I've seen I've, I've been very curious about this whole. I think it's really interesting that we're having this conversation now because this whole, you know, the great resignation, it's going to be fascinating. I think two years from now we're going to see a lot of interesting data that comes out of this. But here's the other thing. I don't think Agile is necessarily the answer to this. So it's Agile after dark. So let's talk about that for a second, right? Well, you know, there's 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 a there's a cultural issue there too. So I know just living here in Arizona, if you if you would go to any restaurant, I don't care if it's French or German or Italian, or you go to a, you know somebody who's gonna pick citrus, they're 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 Hispanic. They're, they're, that also plays into this because they're also they're the ones who actually produce things that other people don't want to do, and I think that's an undervalued, under talked about issue. That's my it's my personal issue, and we might not want to get into this, but I well, this is interesting because I was just in Mexico, Greg, um, and being there and being out and just seeing kids right? Working, selling things, coming up to the tables, trying to sell you things. And we're, we're there and talking about how this one lady I was with was like, I can't even get my kid to get off the iPad, let alone like you got to go like sell stuff. So there is a different cultural work ethic yep. that's happening. Yep. That, that's, that's an important factor, especially as we all deal with teams around the world, right? Um, there's a very different work ethic cultural background there yeah that's a great point of view i, I really appreciate well, that and that's the non-american and way like we're talking about that right now right which is yeah was that so is it because there's kind of the understanding of it's not you know let, i mean we could go so many different directions of this i mean some of it now just having a kid recently and you know my wife who used to work for google could have jobs and all this stuff but we decided and she decided, and I was happy that she decided to basically quote unquote retire early. We'll see if that happens, but uh, which I totally support. Uh, but I mean, honestly, it's you know the whole lean into it bullshit. You know uh, what's her name, for Kennedy from Facebook. I mean, you know, yeah, great, great, that's fantastic. I mean, it just the dynamics of it are, you know, eat or be eaten, and now we're starting to see the repercussions from it because of. The situation that's going on in in the world right now, uh, I, I think you know it's interesting because I want to kind of bring us back to the theater piece of it because I think we've really been touching on kind of the the non-American way, right? Uh, but the theater piece of it is interesting because you guys who know this stuff better than I do, uh, 
you were starting to touch on it, Jess, in terms of kind of that that um, analogy, if you will, of kind of yeah the the theater in a traditional sense, but we had also talked about kind of um, other types of uh, ways of approaching theater that I think are interesting for us to kind of dive into. Yeah, I mean, I think when we when we bring it back to the theater of leadership is it's it's the the traditional way of of leadership really is that like blocking and tackling it's what's your mark and like i said like the what time does this the um curtains open or close or the lighting and all of this stuff that's pre-scripted it's or it's it's like it's also like the it's like also the desk the boss sits behind the interviewee sits right. That's a theater. Yes. That's yeah. a, that's a, that's a theater. You're, you're absolutely right. <clears throat> and one of the more interesting conversations I've had with a leader lately was he literally had a script and, 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 and I'd had conversations with his colleagues and they all had the same script and two, two, there was like the second sentence in and he goes, uh, are you okay if I just go off script? And then we had the most interesting conversation and it wasn't because it wasn't because he was, uh, he had a script and I probably knew what the script said. And then I said, my part of the script is that he was actually curious and we had a real conversation about the organization and what was going on, what was working, what wasn't. And we both came away, I think with a much better sense of what was happening from a business perspective than if he had followed his script and I had followed mine. He said verbatim, let me go off script. So Jeff, let, let me ask you this question because I, because I know you, do you think that you made that possible by creating a rhetorical space that you could have that conversation versus just being on script? Because I think that's the the, the the hardest part. It's both sides, right? It's both the employer and the employee controlled employee. But what what do you think was the thing that that captured his imagination to say, "Let me let I'm going to listen to her. I'm going to listen to her. She's smart." Greg, that is a great question, and I'll answer it like this: as I literally think about it, is that I actually don't come prescripted. I think about what the question is and 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 I spend time processing and answer questions in it, as me. I don't answer questions as what I'm supposed to be. I answer questions as me. And so when you've got a when you've got somebody asking a script and I know the other side of the script, I know what I'm supposed to answer. That's not me. Like my supposed to answer the, the words somebody else wrote, like if you Google, here's what you're supposed to write, that's not me. I think about it like this. Like if, if, if the answers are supposed to be circular or square or triangle, that's, that's fantastic. They should have somebody that's a circle or a square or a triangle. But I'm, I'm a different shape than that. I'm like an octagon or I'm a, I'm a star or I'm a, you know, I'm different. I'm, I'm a, not a circle or a square or a triangle. 
And if what they want is a circle or a square or a triangle, then they should find somebody that's a circle or square or a triangle that's going to going to fit that space. And I'm not and I won't change my shape to fit into that whatever that is. You're gonna make me cry. <laughs> but I mean just fascinating point. Like so many things that go there. A number one, what's wrong with the system where they're trying to look for a triangle or a square or a circle, right? I mean, that's what we're trying to get into, right? Which is, you brought up a really good point: is that leadership is not just, hey, I'm managing people. Leadership is uh, expanding your your team, expanding your influence, expanding to people's. I mean, we could talk. I keep talking about like expanding people's and your influence on their lives, and that sounds very un-American, right? It sounds like woo, a little touchy feely, right? But I think we've all been in the space where we've been working with people that have been doing things in the way that we've been talking about and that kind of very pre-scripted theater. And it hasn't worked. It's failing miserably. And that's what we were just talking about. It's failing miserably yeah, right now. people are leaving. People and, are and just saying, like, I'm done. It's, it's like, this is a weird analogy, but like, it's like oh, you have all of these little like sponges that, that if you just give them the water like they grow into all kinds of different things and you can as a leader your goal should be how do i water them and help them i'm thinking about those little dinosaur things that we used to you know, <laughs> yeah. like i'm dating yeah, yeah, yeah. myself i'm sure but but how do you help them grow into this new interesting shape that they weren't before quick quick and note I think sorry it's missing quick note Jess said she's an octagon, so she'll basically beat the hell out of you, like MMA fighter. <laughs> or she's a star, which just means, By like, way, I wrote, let her... I, I drew an octagon, just so you know. I let, drew an just octagon. follow her through Please the sky, that. and you, you'll go in good places. Like, two amazing, you know, <laughs> when you do associations with shapes. When you said octagon and star, I was like, this is amazing. Two people enter, one person leaves. That's right. By the way, this is like a personal thing, and and Brandon will edit this out, Jess, but I I have to say I am so impressed with you as a human being, not as a woman or a man or just as a human being. I am so impressed with you. You have such a great perspective. So this is interesting because – Jess and I have had a lot of a lot of meetings with our our current client, right? And there's uh, a part of me that starts to get very nervous when she starts talking like this because I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm looking to play my own role in the theater, right? And say the things you're supposed to say. And then Jess has been great about pushing that edge. And I think the not everybody, but some, I think a lot of people who are especially in these leadership management roles are inwardly craving, dying for something that is more meaningful than just being a middle manager. Um, and Jess has a great way of coming at that with people, and I've consistently been shocked. Not shocked. Um, it's just been great to see them open up with someone who's willing to go there, and I think that only makes them, start them on that road. We plant the seeds, Jess, um, about becoming those kind of leaders. All right. With that, with that you know thought in mind, Greg, ahead, with that Greg. thought in mind, yep. uh, I think we're going to take a quick break, uh, get a quick uh, conversation and, and uh, a word from our sponsor. Uh, 
We're really excited about our new sponsor. I do want to come back to this middle manager thing because I yeah. think that is a really critical Which thing. Which is why that... this is why it's going to be the next section. <laughs> and I think we also <laughs> need to get into middle managers using some improv because I think that's a skill set that I think is going to be really important for us to, hey. to jump into. So, all right. Uh, well, yes, and. Yes, and. Yeah, we'll get into some yes, and. The real yes, and. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsor. When everyone starts flying again, we're here to ensure that they stock up on the airline magazine's magic again. Why would they want to do that? Because how else are we supposed to get the C-suite to decide how they need to change their companies? Need to train everyone, and I mean everyone, using XR headsets? Airline magazine has you covered with a meta-funded article. You still running your company like Ford in the 30s? Airline Magazine has an article about someone who changed everything by telling their teams to be agile. What if I want to find out how to treat my employee better? Oh, Airline Magazine will have a case study on an app for that. So join us, Airlineology Association, to ensure your leaders are making snap judgments while they are fully separated from the ground and a few cocktails deep. I love it. I only have two lines in the ad, so I think I'm good. Oh, do you only have two? Oh, that's odd. Yeah, I only have two. <laughs> Are they really long ones? The guy no, they're not. They're like stupid guy questions. Oh. Why would I want that? <laughs> Strange. Thanks, Brandon, for I don't know. I think I just. I think this. Me. I think this is just like a random name generator part of the thing. Definitely is. Definitely. Definitely is. <laughs> What if I find a way to treat how my employees better? Mm. <laughs> how about if I'm I'm gonna add a line fuck off? That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to Agile After Dark. Uh, I believe the next time we talk about what we're drinking, because it is, in fact, Agile After Dark. It's actually, I mean, it's 7 o'clock, but it looks like it's midnight. Welcome to winter in Minnesota. <laughs> the sun went down at 4.15. Very exciting. <laughs> uh, but it is clearly after dark where I'm at. Um, Greg, what are you drinking? You know what I'm. You know what I've moved on from drinking straight bourbon, which I used to do, or I used to always do the vodka cranberry thing. Mm. I'm I'm going with the ginger ale bourbon thing right now. Uh, Just it's a it's a bit easier on my little tummy, you know. It's a good it's a good tummy cocktail. Well, I could drink a lot more. <laughs> I could drink a lot more. He says. Although it adds to my waistline. Which you might want to see right now. Oh, it's all right. Oh, I am recording this, by the way. Did I not tell you that? Kyle's like, stop showing me your tummy. Like, I don't want to see it. <laughs> all right, this is the second time in a couple weeks, Greg. Full tummy shots. I'm good. <laughs> Wait, are we doing tummy shots? This is something new. Wait. <laughs> this, is, this is a whole new version of Agile. <laughs> this is one of the things when you get married. 
and you're just like, thank God this woman loves me because I don't even put my contacts in before I take a shower because I don't want to see myself. <laughs> she loves me. <laughs> okay. Josh, before Greg continues to take off his shirt, what are you drinking? I just had a flashback to Greg. <laughs> but um, I've got a local, uh, it's called Heretic Brewery, but they're also a distillery now. So I have the um, the SIP, which is their uh, gin with natural flavors added, and SIP stands for Shelter in Place. What does it taste like? I haven't opened it yet. Uh, cracker. It had okay. Should I? Yeah, yeah, yeah cracker. And also, what you're saying is, I want to hear the sound effect. I can now go to a distillery with you. Yes, and they have beer, and they've got and beer and cocktails then now we can be in the same location well, that's delightful uh very good what does it taste like uh it's a botanical gin with lavender blackberry and lime i was supposed to shake it i did not oh well <laughs> we'll see how the end of it tastes. <laughs> <laughs> the long tail <laughs> brandon what do you got? Uh, I'm having a little J-Pep. So Jameson and Dr. Pepper. I just came back from Dallas where, you know, headquarters of Dr. Pepper. And, uh, yeah, just doing a little J-Pep because I literally landed about two hours before this podcast started. So, Never like Greg, like, I have no idea why my wife puts up with me. But, uh, but yeah, here we are. She's doing all the laundry. You're like, I am having a Jameson Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I'm having, I'll tell you, right now I'm so excited about it. I'm having Angel's Envy bourbon. Uh, I got it because uh, I was walking through the liquor store and my partner was like, hey, did you want to grab any other bourbon? And I was like, no, I think I'm good. Oh, Angel's Envy. And it's because, Brandon, we've been talking about the angel share and now and the name angels envy just made so much sense to me yeah that's like, good the angel the angel got the angels share yeah. but the rest of it like the angel's like i would like that's the rest mine of it. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget about the devil's cut the devil's the cut, devil's cut. Mm-hmm. yep so that's what cuts I mean. from both sides that's right josh good. yep i love it i love it well we were at the end of uh, the last section getting into some, some interesting stuff. And, you know, I think that we kind of talked about the theater of leadership, but we were really kind of jumping into some of the stuff that I think was important for us to, to address because of what we talked about was going on right now in terms of the, um, the great resignation and kind of the, the culmination of how, industry regardless of what we're trying to produce is now having that effect on on what we're doing but the leadership piece has a little bit of theater around it and we touched on a little bit at the beginning but i think jesse talked about in terms of you know theater kind of you you have your acts you have your actors you have your your lighting you have your you know people that are yanking people off the stage if they're messing up right uh you've got the script you got the script yeah you know uh, which is very interesting because we're doing a podcast and everyone always asks, you guys have a script? I think it's pretty obviously that we don't. Uh, <laughs> but we have an outline. That's a, how dare you attack me that way, Brandon? <laughs> <laughs> how, dare, 
I've been giving uh, Greg uh, kind of uh, speed pop quiz questions during this you know this whole night because he's like, oh, I read it. Yeah, he did not. But that's fine because that's the whole idea is that we are kind of generating our ideas based off of the great sort of kind of off the cuff because we're great listeners, I believe, because uh, we're kind of very trained to be. And I think that that's some of the things that we want to kind of get into is, you know, if you're thinking about that sense of theater and that you have to have something that's very well produced uh, and kind of has a beginning and end, and you're going to be evaluated on how well you did all of those different things and how well all of those things came together uh, versus going to uh, something like Second City, which a lot of us, unfortunately, Josh was not part of that group when we did that. But uh, next time, Josh, for sure. Uh, but I think it's an interesting sort of analogy for, and that's kind of building on what you were talking about, Josh, in terms of that middle management. Because if there's everyone that anyone that ever needed to have that production value to say, Hey, look at me slash us. We have quote unquote delivered. Uh, we're starting to see kind of a trend of because of the nature nature of the market that's there and the things that come up. You got to pivot. You got to adjust. You got to be able to kind of hit your marks in a much different way than saying, "I have this beginning act, and I and I act three. You're going to get to understand what it is." We don't have that kind of time, so well, I kind of want to throw that to exactly. the group. Yeah, that's you, you nailed it. I mean, it's that thing of like, I think <clears throat> traditionally when we talk about um, the way that that traditional industry has been and has been for a long time, that that basic like here's the yeah. opening act, here's the middle part, here here's the arc of the story, and here's the end, has worked really really well marginally well depending on your organization right and in this moment in in the in the place that we are environmental i mean like i'm looking around my home office like from an environment standpoint from a technological standpoint things are changing in moments from the way that people consume things completely it's changing moment by moment by i mean streaming services now Two years ago, completely different. Things are happening so fast that if you plan out your play in such a way that you start with your with the curtain coming up and you have the entire story arc planned out and then you have ta-da at the end, by the time by the time you get to the end, everything environmentally has completely changed. And I think that there's no way for us as leaders to continue to operate in a way that is I'm going to plan out this play from beginning to end. And I think that we have to start thinking more as, as um, more as improv and as painting the big picture and finding out where we're going to go. Well, and Jess, I, here's what I would say. People are very uncomfortable with the improv thing because it's, it's again, it's non-scripted. It's not block and tackle. It's not, you know, it's not, uh, it's not static in a way that I'm going to come into work. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to behave this way. And I'm going to be a manager and I'm going to manage stuff and I'm going to manage people and stare stuff and whatever. So what, what, what's, I, I'm really interested for you and Josh to talk about what, 
the, the, the fact that people are uncomfortable with that and why they wouldn't embrace it because it's the better way to do it because it's going to change anyway to stop lying to yourself. Josh, I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. We've talked a little bit about your, your journey as an employee and the way that like you've, you know, you're told to do this and this and this, if you do this, then you get this. If you do this and then you get this and you're at a point in your career now, and I'm going to pause the recording and just say, hey, Josh, if, you, if you're if you uncomfortable with this line of questioning, no, no. we can totally stop. Okay. No, go for it. You're good. He gets naked in front of everybody. What's his, <laughs> What's the big deal? <laughs> so you're at, a, you're at both a point in your career, and I think at a point kind of sort of in this, in the environment that we're in, that you now have the ability to... I think we all do. We all have the ability to sort of make choices about how and where we do things. What is that shift like going from being told, here's what you do and here's what you're going to get to here's all of the things. And, and Greg, I, I think well, I didn't no, define no, that. No, I, I would say, I, would, I think it's a great question. And I would, I, I would like Josh to be honest about the fact, how comfortable is he working in this new way versus working in the old way, which is predictable, which knows you're going to get your bonus because you're going to hit the, your 3% mark. You're going to da, 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 da. Like what, what is, how is it comfortable and uncomfortable? No, I think you guys, you're hitting right at the crux of what we're trying to do as agilists and transformation leaders, right? Because and I'll do this, Jesse, you know this, I'll put my old hat on, my project manager hat, pull up my PMP and hang it up on the wall because it's a little bit easier. And we're working with leaders who have been successful at delivering in a waterfall way, right? And uh, we work for companies who made a lot of money doing that. I think where it gets to be difficult is trying to Convince is not the right word, but I'm going to say convince. Convince them that there's a different way to do things. You can still make money. You can still be successful as a business, but you're going to take care of your people on the way. I think we talked about the great resignation. I think that's a that's a uh, a symptom of of what's happening. It's the the disease that we have in this American culture. Um, so I I think that there there are very hard questions. And we need to continue to push leaders to focus on people because I think the way for management to move forward now is it's about, it's, this might be agile sacrilege. It's a little less about, um, I'm going to say it, delivering value and more about can you create a team that can be a successful team and work together? Yeah, because I don't think a lot of people know this and we didn't get into it. Josh, but similar to my wife, Carrie, you're an industrial organizational psychologist, right? Yep. So kind of what is that? What is that kind of, because if people don't know about it, you should go listen to that podcast we did a long time ago with my wife about kind of industrial organizational psychology and how that kind of fits into all the transformation stuff we're doing. But I'm kind of interested in that conflict that exists from how you're supposed to be looking at people in a much different way 
to kind of what your day-to-day experience is. Yeah, and that, you know, that that specialization was born out of um, widget makers, like the the people who come in and look for the best ways to get more widgets out the door. Um, and now it has shifted to a more human-centric focus, um, which is what we're all wrestling with. And I think helping managers, that middle management layer who's w- working with their folks on the ground to be, how do I create the most human-centered team? How do I create the most, um, the team that's going to gel the best together and that's going to want to come to work every day and is not going to leave to go to some other company that has um, a, a better defined vision statement or a mission statement, right? Something that they're invested in coming to work and making a change. And I think that's where managers need to play their role now. I couldn't yeah, agree more, Josh. I couldn't agree more. And I think that it's it's sad that those middle managers, who, by the way, are like the essential part of the company, they don't have, they're not equipped to think about. They're, they're again, they're trying to manage stuff. I'm manager. I'm a manager. What's this? I'm a manager. I got to manage. And they're, they're just not equipped, you know, to do it, even though they're probably the most critical component because they're, collected they're the ones who actually understand they're close to the work right and and, and i just say when we go to kind of the improv stuff the creative license right mm. to, yep. to be yep. creative to to try things and that so i think it was really important josh when you said i don't know if agile is the full answer because agile after mm-hmm. dark like we're obviously here because we're all in different parts of our journey from an agile way of looking at things. And we all know the benefits, right? But is that quite enough, right? The, the, the frameworks create something. And I think this is what it comes back to is creating trust, building trust with the human beings that you're working with. And if that's uh, if that's a Gantt chart that somehow you have a conversation with your team about what they're delivering and how it's going. Great. If that's a, a stand-up or a retrospective. It's about creating that trust between human beings who are working together towards a common goal. Amen, brother. Yeah, man. 100%. That's because that is absolutely what it is. That's what Jess is so good at. She, you know, I remember when Jess, you stood up and you had to give this, that presentation. And there was, there was probably 20 or 30 people in the room. Josh was one of those, by the way, you, you, you (laughs) just, you just, you just knocked it out of the park because you were just, you believed and you were inspired and, you know, that's that's a critical thing. You know, I mean, that's a hard thing to do for a lot of people. And I think inspiring people is a part of this conversation, which does kind of play into the improv thing. Which is, people pe- people want to be inspired. Yeah. You know, it's Greg. What you're? I had a conversation early on in my career with um, with a manager. So he he got he was frustrated with me, and he said, "You're too emotional, and emotion has no part in business." Damn. And are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> well, and emotion has no part in business, and like you you business is business don't take that stuff home you know separate it and i i took that in for a few minutes 
And then I came back to him and I said, listen, I am a passionate person. And if I'm not passionate about what I'm doing at work, then why the fuck am I here? Yep. Amen and to that, he walked, too. he walked away, and we didn't get along for a while. And then a couple of years later, he asked me out for coffee. But you know what, Jess? Let me ask you a question about this. And I, I know we're going to get into this. We need to get into this improv thing. But what what do you think makes what what is your makeup as a human being to say i am passionate about my work i don't care if i work at a big box company i don't care if i work for a consulting company what what is it about you that makes you care so much to try as hard as you do and to and, and to sacrifice what you do in your own personal life like what 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 how does that manifest like itself? being on a podcast till nine o'clock at night <laughs> it's people. Yeah, I'm prolonging it too. <laughs> it's always people. I. It's always people. People are curious and interesting and fascinating and difficult and delightful and hard and amazing and surprising in all kinds of ways. So Isn't I, it the best? Aren't yeah. the people the best part, Jess? That's for me. It's the same way. It's like. You know, it's like, oh, this person's hard to manage and they have a, a strong opinion. The people that, you know, Brandon, Troy, all the people, like, I love the fact that they all have strong opinions about things. And then we, like, work through it. And and I always benefit that, from it. And that's just it, Greg. That is exactly right. If you had planned your relationship in the way that you manage a stage, in the theater, you would never have those kinds of you would never have those kinds of interactions. The the outcome would not be the same. Right? It's, but it goes back to your trust thing. It goes back to your trust thing, right? Because you have to trust in yeah. order to get the feedback and to you know, friends gonna go. No, I'm just saying another interesting phenomenon during this this whole hard time we've had in the last two years now, basically, uh, is this show and I think we should probably have a whole other podcast around this, is that show Ted Lasso. We should have an entire Ted Lasso Yeah. Podcast. I want to come on that show. Yeah. <laughs> I think we could probably get, like, multiple guests on that. But, I mean, I think the interesting thing is, is that, you know, with Jess and Josh and Greg, I've all sent you the links in terms of you look at those Emmy Awards and you see the speeches from the people that uh, – That is the team. Yeah. It's yeah, like it's like it's any, any company when you're like, that's the team, that's the team I want to be on. When they look so and then, the and team. they talk about Sudeikis as a leader, right? Yes. Right. They talk about him as a leader. It's like it's not about you. This is your show. Like everything's on you, really. Like it, if it works or it doesn't, it's all on you. But you step back, and it's not. So this is the whole servant leadership thing, Jess. It's like it's not a servant leadership ah. because I don't think it's the same because. He inspires them with the stuff that he does on the show, right? Like he's improving stuff. Like when he gets excited, he's like, "Right foot high, left foot not as good." Totally improved, and you know, and that whole cast just freaking loves it because they feel free. They feel free and, to be creative. Yes, and it's because he's not putting on an act. Right. It's because it's who he he is showing up. 
as who he is. He is being he, it's it's a symbiotic relationship, right? His the group and this cast and the crew and everybody give him the space to be him his best self. He but he shows he showed up day one as himself, not as a not as Jason Sudeikis, not as Ted Lasso. He showed up not as not as the Jason Sudeikis as we know him from Saturday Night Live, right? He showed up as his full self from day one, which allowed them to show up. Which allowed them to help him show up. Which allowed them. The, it's a symbiotic relationship. It's it's a once in a lifetime show, by the way, and and that's. I mean, it, everyone but does it feels that to, way. But does it have to be? But does it have to? Be? Because here's, here here's what I think. I what I know is that I've I've been a part of amazing teams. I've been a part of some incredible teams. And it's always because somebody shows up in that first, just shows up, whether it's in the first moments or in multiple moments or like later on, begin to to build that relationship. So I don't think, I don't think like if you are a manager and you've been showing up managing that you can, you have to go somewhere else to show up as a leader. I think that you can start showing up as yourself. So, Jess, let me ask you a question. So you said once-in-a-lifetime leader, right? And the, we all know those well, – I mean, some of us know those people. But but I would consider you one of those people. And I think my question to you is what 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 characteristics does that person, that lifetime – coach that lifetime manager have that and i know we talked about trust we talked about a lot of things but i think i i just think it's really interesting to hear your perspective because i consider you one of those people who are extremely special you have this enormous capacity and uh, joy and humor you know all that and I just wonder what you think about how do you, how do you create these people? Because I don't think they come around very often. That's why you call them once in a lifetime. Like how do you how do you train people to be better from a management perspective? Craig, that's a really good question. Actually, <clears throat> so it's interesting. I've been I'm reading a book right now called The Heart of Leadership, or no, sorry, The Heart of Business. And um, I know people who worked for him or worked with him, worked adjacent to him um, prior to his role in a, in a, it's, I'm totally going to plug a book. Yeah. No, I mean, you said the name of the book, so you might as well go full in, Jess. It's the Heart of Business. <laughs> Make uh, some money, baby. Hubert Jolie, Heart of Business. But I know people who worked with him before he worked at Best Buy. I knew him when he worked at Best Buy. Or I didn't, I mean, I didn't even know him. I was a mid, below mid-level employee when I worked with him at Best Buy. And I felt his entire energy throughout the organization. I worked, I worked there before he was there and I worked there while he was there. And that level of energy permeated. I, I mean, I have so many stories of just seeing him like 
I, I can't, I won't even go into it because it's going to be, this podcast will last like five hours, but I will tell you if I, if he starts another company or if he joins another company, I will go be there as a janitor. I don't care. I just would like to be a part of it. But how do you generate that kind of, that, that level of leadership? And what I will tell you, Greg, what I know is that it's, you are your full self. But just what you have that you have that insight from people that worked in before he was at Best Buy, that they yeah. said, "Wow, that's like when a transparent." He was, he was, yeah. Yeah. So I know people who worked with him before, and and he was controlling, and he was he was like everything had to be about him and what he decided, and all of those things. And Best Buy was the the moment that he shifted. And said, "No, I have I have amazing people around me, and I'm going to help. I'm going to help build them. I'm going to help them see what they can be. It's the the water on the dinosaur sponges thing that I was talking about before. It's like how how do you how do you help build up other people? And I think when we talk about like how do you be how do you how do you be a leader in this new world in this because we are we're in a new world it's curiosity and in and just enjoy for other people and engagement and delight in their growth and i don't know it's well, the, the one thing we haven't touched on jess was intent and purpose in terms of the title of this episode Right. And that that's a big thing that came out of the book because Jess was nice enough to point me in that direction. And I, so I'm going to put it to Josh real quick in yeah. terms of we've been talking about middle management a lot, which is is the lifeblood of an organization. And you said, you know, you know, C-suite people can have missions and visions and stuff. But obviously, to Jess's point, this guy was transformative. And I can in it at reading half of the book. I haven't finished it all is that, you know, he transformed how that group looked at things so it can go up to that level so i'm curious josh from your standpoint hearing that and kind of understanding that like what what would your kind of thoughts on that from uh the c-suite and the impact that that could have on that middle management group and and josh here's what i'd ask you too is it's emotionally exhausting to engage with people that middle management layer like you have to commit emotionally to understanding what are their goals what are their you know feelings how are they motivated all of that so i'd I'd be interested in hearing your point of view on that too before you go josh i'm sorry we're all oh we just we're dying to hear what josh has to say (laughs) but before you say that third question yes right here's here's what you just pointed at is the difference that is the difference it is that you as a manager your job has changed. You are no longer managing. You are now taking care of people. And now, Josh, I'll turn it over to you. Sorry about that. No, agreed. Your your job as a manager is almost it's not gonna come out right, but it's managing emotions. You 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 deal with that. And this, to go back to what you were saying, Jess, it's that it's building trust. It is creating a team that you trust to do things. I think the best managers come in and they're like, I'm not. Because managers are all, they're usually built to deliver and give numbers 
and statistics and meet a budget and be on time. Dashboards. And the best managers come in and say, I just, my, my team did this. I just put this team together and they did a great job. And I'm not quite sure they did it, but they did a great job. And there's that level of trust. And it's that, I think that is the key. It's a, it's the key for the new managers, right? The managers of the 21st century, building teams that you can, that you trust and you, you let go, you let go and you let them go do their, do what they do best. And then I think that it's just, it's all about trust. I'm just on the T word today. Josh, how do we, how do we shift? So those people who do that, amazing humans who let their teams go and they go do creative, amazing stuff and you're proud of them and it's amazing. And then how do you, how do you report up? How do you, how do you change as a middle Mm. manager? Now I have to go give this. What do we do? Yeah, it's a good question. Josh has to answer it, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) How do we Uh, shift the conversation is my question. So you need to find the right people, right? Mm. There are people who can do this, and there are people who can't. And sorry, but that that is kind of the way it is. And I think companies need to start focusing on the people who are good at that, who can build the right teams, they instill trust, and then they let go. And then as things arise, they are, they are the people who are very good at helping those teams continue to get better, getting things out of there. We call it removing impediments, right? Um, setting them up for success, getting things out of their way so they can go deliver. I think though, the, and they're not taskmasters anymore. They're not, they're not going to tell you what to do, but they're doing this, this, what is arguably, and I think this is the this is the dirty little secret about agile. It's fucking harder. Mm. It takes more work. Um, it's very easy to go create Gantt charts and make do an, fill out an estimator. I used to do this back in the day, right? And go fucking assign tasks out. That is easy fucking work. Hard work is the bigger stuff, but it leads to so much more value. All, all the things, right? All the things we preach when we're doing this. This is why we're doing this. But it's harder work. It is harder. But, you know, Josh, what I love about you, the, the, I love, I love what you just said because it's scary. It's scary yeah. to say, we don't know. We're just going to figure it out as we go along. We're going to take it two weeks at a time or whatever. Like, it's scary to not have a six month Gantt chart, right? Mm, so yeah. I understand why it's scary, but like if, if you can't embrace, because here's the thing too, most people don't admit in their own personal life, they like, you got to plan, you know, plan, stick to your plan, make a plan, stick to the plan. Hey, you're going to go on a vacation to Colorado. You, it's going to snow. You're going to have to go around. You're going to have to stop at a like. Why, why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to understand why business, which is more volatile, which is more uh, changing, you know, why, why is it so hard for people to, to, to be okay with the concept of, you know, pivoting and that kind of thing? And I'd add one thing to that is the really good ones, the really good ones can market the hell out of their teams. 
So it's not just a, yeah, so I it's not just think, Josh. I agree no, with you. Letting go is, is, is the hardest thing to do, but the really good ones, they can say, look at this, what they did. And no, I'm going to, sh- I'm going to show I, it in a way that can show you I'm better than you. But because Brandon, there's still a bit of that competitive they, stuff, right? That that's still that's still there. Uh, I think I don't love the I'm better than you. I love the like look at what my teams can do and razzle dazzle. Mm. I don't like the I'm better than you. We're still in America. So it's gonna be a transition. Uh, well Jess. But here's what I would say, Brandon. Here's what I would say. Denmark. You're you're Denmark. I like Denmark, by the way. Um but but the improv thing is a part of that, right? It's getting people to understand it's okay to improvise to because you, you do it again, you do it in your own personal life, and so if you can you can translate that to a business setting, you're going to be way more successful. Part of that I mean, being I better, just, part of that being better is being the vulnerable too. Let's say like we tried this, didn't work. Yeah, right. Right. Because it's better as a leader because so what I'm trying to get to, Jess, is is marketing to say, hey, we were vulnerable. We messed up. You know what? But you know why? It was because of this. It's because look at look at what else that came out of that. Look at what we learned. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just the it's not it's not the it's not the you too. Hey, that's by the way, Brendan, that's a big leap. Josh, what? It's it's the uh, it's when you say talk about being vulnerable or um, fail fast and like oh my corporate America hackles go up I don't want to do that like that's so scary right and they but that is an important message delivered not necessarily with those words to this layer that we're talking about to middle managers how do you learn faster how do you get better and part of that is owning up to when the mistakes happen and having that conversation and getting better from that. But that is a, that is something that is ingrained in us from when we're little tiny children to not, you know, I have two kids. I just sat on parent teacher conferences and it's, it's still happening. It's still ingrained in us. Like no mistakes always mm-hmm. get the best grade on the test. It's not about learning from it. It's about getting the right answer. Um, so I think that that is something that we have to help these folks that is, like get through. Josh, that's one of the most amazing conversations that I've had recently was talking about a leader who said there was um, there was something that happened, epic failure, yeah. epic failure, and the CEO walked in, and there was an expectation of bloodbath. Everybody's like everybody's fired, or I, it just walked in and said, "Okay, what did we learn?" Right. Can you imagine if organizations all over the globe acted like that? So yes, and I want to add to that too, Jess. We also had a conversation with another leader and. It was clear from what they were describing as their background and how they were brought up and raised in a certain way, especially in this country, around that that is not okay. It is not okay to fail. It's the American way. And when we work with these leaders, we have to realize we're bringing our own baggage into this as people who've grown up in this culture. And we're, we're, we're dealing with their baggage too. And it gets even more complicated as we work with teams overseas 
who have grown up in different cultures and trying to figure that out, I think that's also the most exciting part is because we all want to get better. And I think that's a great place for us to wrap up. I mean, I, I, I think that we've no, hit. I want to talk for three hours more about this. Cause this well, we is could, really we could, just as fine. We definitely could. But I, I think that it's real quick. I do want to, I said, but, and I'm like, some people are like, oh, but you're supposed to say yes and, yes and, yes and. We got to be careful. Some of the tools get overused, you know, and so we got to be aware of that. It's it's not a, it's not a use this phrase. It's not a market better. It's not a this. I mean, it's, again, Agile does a very good job in terms of changing the mindset. We have to completely change the mindset, change the culture. But it's it's beyond all of that, and I think that we've kind of touched on a lot of good points of of, of that in this episode. So, I want to thank you, Josh, for for joining. Wait, us. I'll just add to that yeah. too. Like it's it, it's not just about the words. Yeah. It's about talking to leaders and listening and hearing where they are and where they're coming from, and then going from that. I mean, if you're gonna have a tool, yes. listening. We've been doing this for a couple of years now, and I really, really appreciate your contribution. You're patient, you listen, and when you bring something up, it's absolutely relevant, and it leads us in a great place. So I really appreciate you. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate that. Yeah. I had a blast. Awesome. Well, thank great. you again for listening. Can't wait to come back. Yeah, thanks Ooh, again, yay. Josh. Yeah, we're definitely going to have you on again. Uh Everyone, thank you again for listening to Agile Dark. Thank you for your patience for us getting another episode in. But obviously, I think it was worth it. So, hey, uh, hey but by the way, how do people how do people get to listen to Agile After Dark? Yeah, <laughs> good leaders do marketing, Greg. Good leaders do marketing. So we're gonna. You can listen on uh, Spotify. Uh, you can listen on uh, iTunes, and you can go to agileafterdark.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn. We have Agile After Dark as a as a LinkedIn uh, profile, so definitely subscribe to that because we'll be taking these hot takes and putting it in there. Uh, and don't forget about feedback at agiledarkaftercom so we can get some you know yeah, info, some yeah. feedback feedback or at agileafterdark.com. Agileafterdark.com. Yep, exactly. So he was looking at the script. I'm very proud of him. <laughs> he came around full circle. <laughs> hey, that's a more off script now, Brandon. Yeah, I know. Well, there was no script. That's the beauty of it, right? Improv the hell out of this shit. All right, appreciate well, look, all of here's you. What my script looks like after Brandon gives it to me. Yeah, the visual podcast, which we haven't started yet, but that's going to be coming soon. Sorry, Jess. Sorry, Jess. <laughs> I appreciate all you listeners. Uh, you're awesome. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode.